no left wing way of working meetings, flyers, conferences. Women's Street Theatre was where it was at, and that started me in what we now call arts, cultural action, community cultural work. So that, that's where the passion was. And I still do have a love for telling stories in public spaces that are not traditional sites of making work. Thank you, Lisa. It was amazing. Can you break down your experiences with the 1978 Mardi protest and how it related to other political and cultural activations at the time as well? In, in 77, 76, 77, 78, there was a whole landscape that was not only about the Gay Solidarity Group. Gay Solidarity Group was there. Um, at Sydney University, there was a group called Ad Hoc. The names sound really daggy now. Active Defence of Homosexuals on Campus. There was a very active feminist group. On Sydney Road, there was tin sheds where they printed posters. And people, people made multi-screened posters that are now in institutions and galleries, but they were on the streets. They were on our fridges, they were on the walls, right? So you have a whole culture of anarchist art politics, feminist politics around the tin sheds. You had women's publishing, you had, um, there were things that came after 78, but you had networks that were socialist, anarchist, communist, feminist. In Redfern, you had the settlement, which is a really strange name when you think of it, but something in the block in Redfern called the settlement, where a lot of activities happened with Aboriginal communities and Aboriginal families. You had many, many intersections. Imagine a world where you don't have not only no social media, but not even email, not even mobile phones. So how did we know to go out in the middle of the night when they were transporting uranium yellow cake from White Bay through our suburbs? How did we know? Like, word of mouth, word of mouth. So something like the 24th of June, 1978, there had been marches before that for gay liberation. There'd been years of marches for International Women's Day, which had a really strong focus on sexuality as well. So you've got many movements coming together. On the morning, Enoch, you mentioned the night. On the morning of the 24th of June, 1978, there was a march from Town Hall. I spent so many years marching down a bloody bit of Ashford from Town to wherever. But there was a march in the morning, and I have got black and white photos from that morning, where that was the morning protest that was in solidarity with Stonewall riots from a few years before. So you did have a whole network of political activism happening. You had the march in the morning, and then you had a march at night. Now, I luckily did not get arrested, I, it's really funny how your memory plays with yourself. Do I remember the real thing or do I remember a film? Or do I remember photos? What am I remembering? <laughs> I, I think if I really think about it, I remember
happening in King's Cross, those really old-fashioned box-like paddy wagons, and I remember garbage tin, metal garbage tin lids flying. That's my own, I think it's my main real memory, and running, running, running with people I didn't know. What happened afterwards was really what became Mardi Gras. What is, what we could use the word in the, the 80s, far more than now. So many people were brutalised. So many people were arrested that you had this like duty, you spent days and weeks and months going to protests outside the courthouses where people were, were and you had really violent episodes outside the courthouses with police um, protesting against the charges. And so I do have photos where you've got these little banners that say, drop the charges. You know, and it's like, if I want to talk about broader politics, I'll, I'll wind this up in a second. One of the most familiar chants that I can remember, see if you remember the end, stop police attacks on gays, women and blacks. It was the most common chant. Now, okay, these days we call that intersectional politics, wouldn't we? But stop police attacks on gays, women and blacks. It was a real thing in terms of they were separate movements, but they were movements that came together. Sydney, 42 years later, is far more segmented. Everyone's with their own group, their own network, their own mob. Um, there's other cities in Australia that are not like we are in Sydney. But in the 70s, 80s, people were far more connected. We also had a lot of fun. I can remember so many marches, whether it was International Women's Day or whatever, but we just, everyone was out all the time on the streets going to each other's marches. And you knew people, you talked to people, it was word of mouth. What a stupid chat I can remember. You'd go past Hyde Park and St Mary's to feed for all the big cats. I know you used to love this, but that's my family background. You go, Dykes and Fairies hate St Mary's. You know, Like there was this sense of, oh, women are invisible and they're not criminalised. 
you said, like, be careful how you talk about this stuff. But there are, there are many, many kinds of shifts um, that it's a lot of reference. But, um, you know, maybe by the mid-80s, I mean, I stopped caring about Mardi Gras by the mid-80s, seriously. I care about, I care about Mardi Gras or the broader movement when something hits me in the heart and the gut. So then by the late 90s, the early 2000s, where there were Arab queers marching, I was like, hey, this is exciting. I'll drop in for that. When there was a 30-year anniversary, a 40-year anniversary, yeah, I had a reunion with the old friends. But like, I haven't cared about Mardi Gras for a very long time. But it still has meaning for a lot of people. Yeah, completely. I feel like I threw Enoch under the bus with that first, I guess, our version of an introduction into what happened in 78. That's, um, I guess it speaks to what is documented, what's erased from history, um, what gets passed on, who gets centered in these conversations. So thanks for, thanks for making our understanding of that really complex and nuanced. I think so much Yeah, it's, and in 78, I knew women of color, I knew Aboriginal women who were on that, that march but you know what? In the 70s, some Aboriginal women I knew didn't know their heritage at that time. They learned later of their ancestry. In those days, you didn't, you didn't have a sense of being, you knew you were a wong, you knew you were a person of colour, but that was home. That was what you hid. You separated that. Total schizophrenia. You boxed your life. Very differently. Thank you so much, Alyssa. Um, I just wanted to reference this image that you shared with us from International Women's Day. I think it was the 1982 Women in Arts Festival, sorry. And I wanted to maybe hear about your ideas around how this movement make others. We, we had a conversation about how these movements become corporatized, normalized, um, co-opted by other more extractive structures. And I guess I wanted to hear your thoughts around advantages if you want to just or even, even just any um, anything you might want to point out with this image. Oh, look, there's nothing particularly special about this photo except that it's outside of the art gallery of New South Wales, mainstream white cultural institution in Sydney. And this is a protest, not actually International Women's Day, it was a protest by women activists and women artists about the lack of representation of women in the arts. And so it's like, okay, there's a public, it's taking over. I know, if I look at that photo, I recognise who some people are in terms of artists and activists, and there's a furry black dog on the iron board on the left as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I've a feminist political event without a furry friend as well, like here. There 
positivity on, on many levels in terms of like, there never used to be SBS TV. There never used to be NITV. I'm sounding like a grandparent right now, aren't I? But things that were perhaps radical, in that thing, there's a difference between reforming something and revolutionising something. So there's been a lot of things that have been accommodated in our language about gender, sexuality, women, labour, class, health. A lot of things have been shifted in language, but it doesn't mean the structures of power have changed. It's a bit, capitalism is very good at doing that. It's like, it's dressed up, but now it's like, I will listen to you very soon when I keep quiet about what are the things that are raw and radical and important now. There's a never-ending need to speak back to power. Thank you, Bella. Um, we're going to speak to Ray now. And, um, Yes. Um, and just before we speak with Ray, we're just going to show um, a video of the, was it the first first video? Yeah, it was the first of uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> We'll find the video, but this is one of the photos of the first presentation. Yeah, and um, this was uh, taken in 1988. Um, a couple of us, um, I just remember getting a phone call and it was 88, we'd done heaps and heaps of, um, we just felt the need to do this because at the time uh, that was also um, because of the anti-bicentennial 200 uh, anniversary of uh, white Australia history um, in this country, we just needed to have our voice within the gay and lesbian, as was just known then, gay and lesbian uh, community of Sydney. And we really needed to uh, do this flow and, and just to have our say and, and just to show um, that we were here, um, that we we're much a part of the community as well. But also that year, I remember we had, um, like, there was a bunch of us women who used to hang out together. Plus, we had the best girls. <laughs> <laughs> and we were also, I was very good at driving under the influence of the court. We also, unfortunately, had a lot of client uh, interaction with other white lesbians on the scene. And um, yeah, that, that was really, that was nasty. But yeah, um, they used the, the playground. I remember, because we remember the cops used to come in and pick up their payment, because we were wondering what they were doing behind the bar. Two of them would come in, and because, you know, they stopped by to pick up their payment. And I think it, that used to happen with other gay bars too, where they used to have to pay the police for leaving my own in there. And uh, I just remember that, especially that year, it, was just, it just sort of came out of nowhere, all this fucking um, racism, but only towards us. Indigenous lesbians. Uh, I think that was just, but uh, you know, we were all trying to figure out where they were coming from with their anger, and um, I just couldn't understand it. So, but anyway, you know, uh, I was one of those uh, people who hit me on the back, and um, and unfortunately, you know, I really that was a great float, great people that worked on it, 
and unfortunately most of them have now passed away. It's all right. I'm not used to being emotional. No, close. This brings up so much. No, close. Thank you so much for being open to us sharing this, this image as yeah. well and the video as well. Um, yeah. I mean, I always thought that, you know, it was like, you know, because I think I'm, there's only one other person that's dead at the time that have survived. And yeah, they got no idea to eat the drugs, but, you know, I've always wondered why I was still living. But um, I, I think our history is very important within the gang and lesbian community. And, and just, you know, a bit about my background, I was um, part of the Stolen Generation. I had a uh, white Dutch, full-on Christian family that brought me up and Eventually, I did get back to meet my family, and um, and and that all freaked me out. But anyway, like getting back to being, you know, eighty-eight was a really great year for me. It it also that's when I started to identify. To um, I was really proud to be lesbian, and I didn't care what you know both families thought of me. I really stood my ground in that, and um, and to this day, I sort of if, if you want to identify with the label, I'm sick of these labels. I'm non-binary. I'm not a woman that likes. I don't mind wearing a bit of makeup, but I don't don't wear dresses. I've never liked wearing dresses. My foster mum used to try and get me to wear dresses and pain, and then I'd wear a dress. <laughs> <laughs> And um, I'll still keep in top contact with my, my white family as well as my uh, black family. But uh, they're still stubborn. Um, I just don't mention certain things, so she just gets, she just gets too upset. Anyway, um, like at the time, like half of us were, not me, I was working at the time. The rest, they were all students, particularly the women I hung out with, a lot of them came from interstate. That's what you did. You left your community. If you were identified as gay, lesbian, trans, whatever, you left your community and you either went to Melbourne or Sydney. So I've lived in Sydney for 30 years now, on and off. I've tried a couple of other capital cities, but cities. Yeah, and um, I'm just uh, really grateful for, um, you know, everything's not perfect, you know. Um, you know, we'll still always be fighting. There's, there's never going to be a perfect day. And so you young people, just keep fighting, just be yourself. And, and you don't let anyone, you know, try and tell you how to be. You just be yourself. And if people don't like you for how you look or for, for who you are, just tell them fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, now that I'm older, I'm a lot more appreciative of my friends that have made over the years here. And um, they're as much family to me as blood family or blood relatives. And um, so after we'll, I, I don't know, are we going to show the video? Yeah, I'm, or, just, I'm just about to organise um, the video hookup. Um, okay. I think moving forward from the First, first Nation first, what do you think we have any like? Um, other than the cool events and moments that you were Oh, yeah. Um, I used to, my cousin, when I first moved down, I stayed with a cousin in Glee. 
And when it was really cheap to live in Glee. Yeah. And yeah. that was Glee was the best. Glee was like lesbian. And then my cousin took me to Ruby Reds. And there was one other black um, indigenous woman and and um, yeah, she's still alive today, thank God. And um, like, you know, I, I just thought Ruby Reds was the best. I used to go there four nights a week. And you know, you can't get anything there. Like, she wouldn't start talking about stuff like that. <laughs> it was smaller than this place. Yeah, it was. It was smaller than this place. You went up the stairs, and they had a female band, bouncer. You remember Erica? And she was great. And Diesel. You know, a few years after that, I met Gemma because on Mardi Gras night, we used to all go down to Gemma's house in Darlinghurst yes. and party. And then I remember that, yeah. Wow. And we all used to walk up and watch the parade. That's a great thing. Because, um, yeah. So, yeah. you want to ask a question? Yeah, I'll ask you a question. That float, I, I just want to hear more about the, the making of, of that. Because I know that as well that, that you all struggled to um, be up the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We had a bit of a tiff with the Mardi Gras board about being up the front. We really wanted to be the parade. Yeah. And did we? No, no, no. No, no, no. Not on that Yeah. But also later on, like, it'll come out next year. I'm doing a doco. And, um, really looking forward to speaking to a few of the girls. Uh, catching up with them and just getting their take on, you know, their experience. Yeah, like, um, it's a pretty special thing. Um, I don't know, I think someone's actually got it in their house, that boat. Uh, it's a canoe. And uh, so you had everyone, like, three main, there's Captain Cook and Sir Joseph Banks, and I can't, I think it's Bly, the other one. Yeah, and also what's really special too is my sister, who was living in Sydney at the time, came into and helped us out, and even though she was straight. And they showed more of her than me. <laughs> <laughs> but those costumes were a bastard to make. <laughs> You know, all the usual drama about costumes and that. And, um, um, and, and all the, um, the uh, white uh, young men that they uh, dressed up as convicts. I think there was about 20 of them that pulled the um, canoe or pulled the boat up through the parade up the street. And they volunteered to do that because they got it. They got the message, and we're all a bit freaked out, thinking, oh, well, we're going to do cop it, they're not going to like this. But no, it was well received, and um, and uh, the feeling was um, pretty good. Yeah. This was the um, first First Nations like, that was part of the parade from what I understand, is that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was on the year of the um, 200th anniversary yeah, yes, yes. of Invasion by the Yeah, that's it, yeah. And the reason that, um, I guess, 
the, the, the parade and the float manifested in this way was, um, was to critique, particularly the arrival library, and to critique the bicentenary celebration, is that, yes. is that right? Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. That year we went on a heap of dem uh, demonstrations, um, went to Canberra, uh, Brisbane, and, and just did our, a heap of stuff, and um, um, the activism, and that was my first taste of politics, because I really wanted to learn the truth, because I know my foster parents hit a lot of shit, to, you know, regarding my background and that, because they did it to protect me, but it didn't really. This isn't for us. I guess passing back to this image, that's, that's you up there. Yeah, yeah, I was 24 then. Yeah, and, and your heart was, I guess, as a sailor? No, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> want to put on a costume, I just, it didn't go well with, I didn't like carrying stuff around, I just, you know, when you want to party, you don't want to carry it back. <laughs> 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 I think one last question, maybe regarding this activation and this vote, um, can you maybe talk us through about what you remember from the organising behind this? Was, I think it was Josie? Uh, yeah, there was some, uh, there was Josie King, Bennett Miller, um, oh, but who's here that was actually Malcolm Cole, who's dressed up there as Captain Cook. Um, and just most, most of us uh, were students or working, and um, there was only a, like we didn't realise there was actually, you know, there's probably about 15 of us at the most that used to get together and socialise together as well as like, but because we had to, you know, we had to for our own protection and that, because we had a hard time by the cops too, because the cops used to just, no, the same story over and over again. Um, but um, it was great to come together and to go, uh, yeah, we've got to do this and hopefully um, maintain a, a visual um, for, you know, every year after that and for future generations when they come out. And it's great. I've got two little um, descendants in their late teens that have just come out, which is great. And, it's, and they've said it's all because of me. And, and so that's really great. I'm really proud of that. Because yeah. I've just told them, you know, just come out. You don't, don't worry about what your family says. And, you know, just, you've just got to be yourself, you know. You don't have to be what they want you to be. Yeah. Thank you so much, Rick, for, for trusting us with your story. around that, 
and humans, all the human issues, we were very, very concerned about uranium back then. Uranium was a very serious and still is absolute um, threat to everyone. So what the women did again, and this was before Priscilla, we organised all these buses to go across the desert from Sydney to West with banners and children and women from all over Australia to protest about the ships that were docked in Western Australia with uranium in them. The police were very heavy, okay? We, we had some serious injuries for this protest, many jail terms. They had a jail that they built in the desert that had no ceiling, so you had to deal with the sun. No newspaper ever recorded the, all the stuff that happened. All you saw was these motley crew. It's like Mardi Gras, motley crew. The people that went to Mardi Gras were the motley crew. Nobody else wanted to go to the parade. You could just walk up there. There was no thousands of people. Nobody wanted to know about us. We were not in. And Lesos were at the bottom of the runs. We were at the bottom, bottom. Nobody wanted to know about Lesos. We were like the ugliest, the bottom, bottom, bottom. It, it is such a different time, and when I think about it now and I'm talking, I'm feeling quite old because it feels like such a long time ago, but those issues have never left, as we know. Mardi Gras was really relevant in the early 80s. Mardi Gras was really powerful. It had some serious people involved in changing things. But as every movement, International Women's Day, every movement, movement, you get the next lot that wear suits, but they all say day. Oh, but I know we kind of supposed to be similar, but we're really different. The suits came into Mardi Gras and started changing the initial way what we were protesting. They wanted to become more subdued and more in line with government and to be accepted. And I kind of get that, but it was very, it started to become more and more conservative. And it used to be called the Gay Mardi Gras, and then Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras came in. I know that now the word queer may not be acceptable. But back then for us, we just wanted to be called queer. We wanted to be all-inclusive. For us, queer, we were re-taking that name. Um, we, didn't, we felt like it was starting to get segregated. And Mardi Gras started to become more and more, definitely more commercial, which meant that they were tying the line, which meant that people like us were radical. And I know you, you're troubled. You know, you're troubled. We can't have you, we can't have you, we can't have your voice. And we started to get really pissed off because we're the people that set it up. We're all the people that started this. So Mardi Gras has gone through many changes. We are sitting in an ANZ-sponsored festival, which makes no sense to someone like me, who fought to never have these corporate companies come into our lives. <laughs> in 1991, it became, Mardi Gras became so conservative in our view that we decided to opt out of Mardi Gras and actually put on an alternative Mardi Gras which caused a lot of problems. Not everyone was happy about that. How dare you? How dare you switch us up? It's like, well, this is not the way we want to go. I don't want to talk to government bodies. I don't want to ask for your fucking money. I don't want all this. We're supposed to be radical. We're supposed to fight. But we, so the group started to take us out of Mardi Gras. Now, Women for, Women for Survival did actually survive till probably the late 90s, I reckon. And then by that stage, it was like, Things have changed so much that um, I think it dismembered itself. And women were tired. People who've been praising for are so tired. We were so tired. And I think there was just that. It just, eventually we must get a stop paying rent in that room. I can't remember how it finished, but I remember we moved from there, went to Albion Street before Acon took it, that building there on the corner. And that was the last time we moved for survival 
uh, existed. Mm -hmm. uh, to think back, these were just people. There was no money involved. That you couldn't ask for money. They didn't exist. So it was actually done off their own bats. And to think that we can do this again because they're going to switch it off. They're going to switch the phone off. They're going to switch the email off. How do we find them? Because they're going to do it and they're doing it and we know that. So I think, I guess we have to remember and we have to bring back all these memories for the next generation in order for us to find each other in ways, how are, we, how are you going to find me? I mean, we didn't even have, like, if you, if you made a phone call back then and go, let's meet on Tuesday at 11 o'clock at Hyde Park, you would just do it. You'd remember it. It was not something you because you lived that life, right? So you would just remember that. You'd be like, oh yeah, Tuesday eleven o'clock, blah blah blah. Now you can look at your phone and remember anything. So I I believe that these movements that were created back in the day, and we need to always come back to the times that things are made. Because sometimes we might look like we're really unsound and totally against you, the next generation or our voices seem to be really weird. We're not actually that different from each other. It's the same fight, it just has different names attached to it. And I think we have to find ways to find each other again because they've got us. They know everything about us, they know what colour hair, they know everything, they know what we eat. They actually do things that are made for us to fall into, the traps. And I believe we fell into a lot of traps. We got more comfortable, we got more this. It was so sexy when we were illegal. I can't believe it. I can't even tell you. It was hot. <laughs> And you know, and, and the men walking around with the hankies, which was the way to communicate what you were into, was a very sexy thing. Austin Street was very, very, very sexy. <laughs> and it was a great place to go because we suddenly, we had a place that was ours. And Ruby's, which was a Leso bar on Crown Street, was great. We were there every night of the week. Yeah? Pajamas, anything, doesn't matter. We were there all the time. <laughs> uh, it was, Austin Street was run by the bikies and the gamers, so. It was actually really well done. The bikies would fuck the place up if you didn't pay them, like the cops, and the game after rent everything, and everyone was happy, I think, maybe. Um, the, the Leso Bar Dawn, who apparently is this golden Dawn, well, she wasn't that perfect. So Dawn, I know, you know, was the gay mafia that ran the Imperial, the Newtown Hotel, the Midnight Shift. You know, the list goes on, right? Ruby's, Juliana, in Bondi Junction. She had a lot of venues and made a lot of money. The women's venues got nothing. Yeah. We were the bottom run, right? Mm -hmm. So Ruby's was like this really shaggy bar that we really loved. <laughs> um, and nobody else wanted to go there. It was just us. Nobody wanted to know about us. Can you chat to us a little bit about the alternative money parties that you hold yes. and how they were site to generate like resistance and performance and, and yes. other forms of cultural and infrastructure yes. as well. And with the women. Yeah. Yeah, no, okay. So okay, so the first alternative money was a political movement. It wasn't actually how you really call it putting on a party, it was actually a political movement within the movement. We were fighting from within now with each other. Which was a big concern. Because we could see, Mardi Gras started to become, as I was saying, really, really conservative. And they wouldn't let radical floats anymore, and they were very scared of having people that were maybe caused away <laughs> as it got more and more into <clears throat> the 90s. So we went at Moore Park, across the road, there was a golf club, and we used to look directly at a, park, a big party, so we went there to do it. And as much as we had a lot of people saying, How dare you? 
we managed to get 800 people who believed in it. And that in itself started a whole other way of thinking again. Like it actually opened a whole way of, no, we don't have to cover it because this is all corporate now. Um, and so the class issue I will come back to because that issue actually underlies a lot of issues. So the people on the front line, and I have to say it, most of them were working class, the ones that took the blows, took the risks, and a lot of Aboriginal women actually were on the front line and took a lot of blows, if we remember International Women's Day. Um, and then we used to get told later, as, as time started to progress and other people were coming in wearing suits that were coming into us and changing our radicalisation and telling us we were too full on. That was problematic. Mm -hmm. And all you can do is sit back and watch it, but a lot of times you can't listen. You're fighting within each other. You're actually looking at this going, this doesn't look right, this is going to go down. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the, ready, the gay marriage thing. We were not into marriage. We didn't want to get married. We were going against the grain of society. Marriage to us represented patriarchal systems. It represented keeping the economy going. So for us, it was a very different time. And I'm not, this is a different time again, so you can't really compare whether gay marriage is worth doing now or not. It's a different time, you know. But back then, it was seen as like, no, that's not us. But somehow it was, right? There was people that were saying it's us, and other people were saying, well, we don't want that. So, the alternative mind drive was really about rethinking where the hell are we going? And how come we are marching now with police in the march, marching with us, smiling at each other? How do I feel? I live in paddy wagons. How do I feel? I went to jail. Why do I, what the fuck do I want to march with this cop here? The Liberal Party, why the fuck do I want to march with them? What's going on here? Sure, you could say, but isn't that a good thing? Look, they're finally here with you. Don't talk about that. <laughs> I don't agree. I don't think they should be in it. Mm -hmm. I think ANZ go, fuck yourself. I think the whole thing should just go. <laughs> I think the, the party should disappear. Stop paying $250 for a ticket. Street party take over the streets. And that's it. We party together, right? For free. Done. Yay. I So for those of you who don't know, Gemma actually um, continues to run parties and club events to this day, alternative club events, um, one of which Bo performed there recently, and Bo also has an incredible wealth of, um, I guess, performance, activist, um, satirical, like satirical practice that critiques all of these structures that Gemma's kind of highlighted. I'm going to bring up the image and some of the things that you can text in there. Yeah, you can just grab them. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to pull up some images. Um, and Enoch's got some questions for you. Yes, sure. I'll, I'll just start off by saying to um, women like Gemma and those women for me were the women I sought out when I was younger. Um, I grew up in Brisbane. Brisbane, very redneck, very bold at that time, and even to be seen as a lesbian, let alone a butch lesbian, um, was hardcore. We were lucky enough to get some of the wicked women that did come to Brisbane, and those times they did come, it was like, yes! Hang it all out! It was great. You know, but I, from the moment I left my mother's womb, I knew that I had to take up space. I knew that I had to claim space for the woman that I was and the woman that I still am today. I'm very proud of that woman. We made a lot of noise. I can't remember a weekend when we did march about something, you know? Every weekend, and, and the weekends when we did march, we'd all sit around, we were like, we didn't have tricky management, just the Western Mozos. Yeah. Um, you know, who worked at Women's House. You know, we'd sit around then plotting the next thing or making our posters and sniffing the ink 
you know, from your purple posters and, and stuff like that. And, you know, it's true. But for me, and it still is, it's, my performance has very much been based around um, pushing against that gender norm. You know, that's, I so do not connect with that. There's no connection there for me whatsoever. And pushing against, and this isn't, I don't want this to be a generalisation either because not all men are like that. I know some very beautiful, beautiful, lovely men in the world. But this patriarchal system of privilege that the only way I could find to get through it was through comedy. It was like throwing it back in their face, these caricatures, and sort of ambushing them a bit, you know, like, yeah, here's a spend and they're all going, oh, yeah, that's really funny, and then all of a sudden slapping them across the face or something really hard, you know, you're actually really fucked, you know, you're fucked and here it is in front of you. And then, hey, let's have a little laugh again, you know, so, so bringing in that my loneliness of soul, false sense of security, I spent many a time in the streets of Brisbane in physical punch-ups with men um, who could not, and I'm not a violent person, but there was a time in my 20s when I was very angry, very, very angry. How dare you challenge me walking down the street just because I look a certain way or my masculinity threatens you. You know, go home and protect yourself. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't like, as Ben said, it was built on constant fight. It was constant, you know, um, reclaiming night valleys, women's marches, always fighting. Um, Reverend Fred Nile coming and telling us that women are allowed to have abortions, you know, and hideous things being said, you know, you look at him and say, well, what about the poor young girl who, you know, is raped by, again, sorry for this, if it's triggering for anyone, but he's raped by a father, and his response is, she shouldn't have sex out of marriage. Ah. You know, you're fighting against dick like that, who just have no sense, and it's just all about this power and masculinity that is vulgar and disgusting. You know, so those days, especially in Brisbane, we we fought really hard. And I also climbed, and I climbed very well, a lot of statues to hang banners. I was very good at, I was a, I was a statue climber. Yeah. Um, you know, and hanging those banners and being on the front of the paper and getting arrested, constantly in the back of paddy wagons, you know. And what are you arresting me for? Nothing but we'll hold you in the cells for the next eight hours while your friends are all outside, just because we can. Oh, I need to piss, too bad. You know, so we, Sometimes I, you know, you piss on the floor, that's So then you get kept in for an extra six hours, you know? So, and your clothes are taken from, you're stripped. Um, so things were hard, things were hard. But it made me go fuck you even more, you know? Like, don't, don't even play that game with me. You know, you haven't, you haven't even touched the service yet. So they were times of really processing. And as, as Jim said, we didn't have the internet, but we had our communities. We knew where we all gathered. And, and in Brisbane, especially West End, South Brisbane, we all gathered. That's where we all were and that's where we hung out. We were over coffee shop on a Saturday morning where we discussed these issues. What are we going to do this weekend? What, what tricky banners are we going to make? You know, what are these, these uh, uh, bits of cardboard that we got from back in the, the shop? And, you know, a bit stout that we screwed them into and stuff. So, you know, um, and I'm very proud of, proud of that uh, and, and I still carry it very strongly in me today. And I said, it was always done through performance, throwing it back in their face, but just tricking them with that bit of comedy. You know? <laughs> That's a laugh, I don't know you're not. Don't laugh anymore. This beautiful picture here was from Kooky this year. And um, that's me buried up the back there being a wombat. And again, this was us thinking about where we are, the beautiful MLA here who um, choreographed the whole thing and these are the koalas and wombats and these are the animals and, and the spirits, you know, and 
this year for us was really important. We've just seen, you know, our country burning because we haven't taken care of it. Um, and how did we bring that back? You know, so this, this little ode to um, animals and our wildlife and mother nature, um, which we've done to a beautiful song as well. So I, I just wanted to put that image up there because um, it, it's, it doesn't always have to be hardcore either. You know, this was a very beautiful moment within Kuki. And the Kuki spaces that are set up by Gemma and her crew too, I don't think I've ever performed in a space where so much love is coming back at you. You know, that, that feeling in the room of giving and taking and sharing, you know, and it's all that responsibility. Um, so that, that was a really lovely moment. So that's just a little, um, little picture of that. That's also two days in the Mardi Gras, so I'm looking a little bit crusty, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Do we want to go to... <laughs> that. Um, Do we want to go to this image? Yeah, so again, this image coming back to Ray. When I first turned up to Sydney, the two places that I knew I could find my people. Number one was Redfern with our community. Anyone who was Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander, or Indigenous from any other place in the world, when you came to Sydney, you went to Redfern because that's where you found your, your community and your people and that's where you were grounded. And again, that's where those protests came out of. And you know, I'm, my heart still hurts to this day that what's happened to the block now and the lack of protests and the very few protesters that stood there and went, this is not right. This place is sacred. You know, so that's another thing to fight with. Really. Sort, of, sort of lost that fight for a minute. The first Mardi Gras I did attend, and again, not aware of um, coming from Brisbane, Switzerland, so the Crab and TV, not aware of the, the corporate sponsorships and the things that went into it. So I was very surprised when I first got in it, because the first flight I went into was actually Dives and Bikes. I'm going to do it, let's make some noise and get our tits out. Got there, you know, let get your tits out. <laughs> it's like, what? Are you serious? Like this whole thing has been built on that, yet again, men walking behind us with chests out, you know? And again, that's nothing against the men, that's against the fucking system, you know? Like, what's the difference? So, that to me, first, it's like, oh, I'm going to go another one of those braids again, but I did wear the shit out of the bike that I had, so maybe I'm not. But, you know, so that was the first thing I thought, wow, that's really shit. Like, is that what this is really, this really is? Is that what everything that I've seen or everything that I believe it was? And the great people I knew, like Gemma, like, Wow, how, how are you guys even surviving and coping through that? So I didn't go in any parades for quite a while. There's another one in Family Building which I did attend. Um, I do like to put in Family Building in the, the community too, within the gay community. They also have their own pressures they deal with of not being gay, because you're too pretty or you're not. You know, we, we do have these silos within ourselves too, which is really upsetting of we fight against one another. It's like, why, why are you doing that? So, um, but this one was, my chance to go back and I had to really think about it and it was from going back to the 88 bicentenary protest I was asked to be on display this time to represent two different genders not just gay and lesbian um, I was asked to go on as transgender but I like to use the word gender again you know so that was my place and we got the beautiful Malcolm Cole's costume back out which for everyone who was on that float and looking back at Ray and those who had marched before us and the reason why they had marched before us. So it was a very, very beautiful moment. There was a lot of consultation that went on with family around us. And I believe at one stage we nearly had Malcolm's twin brother wearing it, but it all got a bit too much for him as well. Yeah, yeah. But again, family granted us that moment to bring us out. And again, it was us speaking up already because we knew what was coming this year in 2020, um, you know? Where, where's, how many years you know, ago was that? 30 years ago, and we are still, in two years' time, going to celebrate 
important you can get with white, white from your from your flows, that from your demand of your flow, yeah, that white well now, yeah, white colonial history and, and taking over our our lands, invasion of our lands. Um so that was a the other reason I hopped on that flow because part of that this is why my performance stuff is so important. I can't speak with my mouth but I can still speak with my body and what I represent. So for me this was a great honour to be a part of this and follow Ray in the footsteps of you guys who, who created that moment. You know, and it was it was very powerful, it was very strong. And we all got to the end of that parade, you know, and we felt every single one of those people that had walked before. You know, and including before that first flight, and even that year, we actually led the parade, but they wouldn't let us do a smoking ceremony. This year they finally got their smoking ceremony. You know, so we even had to fight still within that system. But even in, I think it was before the, the 1988, there was one year, I think it was, I want to say 84 or 86, there was one lone man, last name McKay, who walked down Oxford Street in the parade by himself carrying that Aboriginal flag to make everyone remember whose land you're walking on, this space, you know, and who it belongs to. And again, so there were those moments. In the 70s, when that first riot happened, Aboriginal people that lived around that area, lots of them, when those battens came out and those police started fighting, the first people that came to the fence of those people were the Aboriginal people of that area. They came forward, so they had always been there, even though our floats weren't there till later on. You know, and, and I say to you guys too, don't stop fighting. Fight every inch of it. Don't buy into it. Push against the machine, you know? Like, you, you guys are the next generation. You guys are, you know, we're passing the baton. Take it and run with it. And don't succumb, you know, to this norm. I want to bring it back to what it was. It was about people connecting. It's about sitting around having these conversations and going, what do you need? What do we need? How can we all do this together and make a difference? Thank yeah. You. No worries. Yeah, are you going to have a question for you? No, I don't have any questions. No, it's not for me. I think I'll put a straight next with you from the Department of Public Affairs. What was your role again? What did you say? Officer name is um, Officer Caesar Central. Caesar Central. <laughs> so you've done the World Cup the action that happened this year at the Mardi Gras. I was just wondering if you could just like have you on that your involvement, what the is it? There's a few of us in the room um, that is from this department of Home Office. I'll give you a quick rundown first before we watch this. So like we we kind of grew out of a group of people, no, just a bunch of friends actually, getting together, thinking about Australia's border politics and feeling frustrated in um, no, like what you were saying, Alyssa, like about you know, marching down the same track of street and feeling like particular modes of protest um, were not very activating, you know? Um, and so wanting to collect together, organise completely, and one officer, you know, in 2018, we're thinking, we're thinking about this stuff and the Department of Home Affairs is just been invented, you know, Department of Immigration's gone. Um, Manus Island's just been shut down, you know, without any plan or care. And it's also the 40th Mardi Gras. And the Liberal Party has just, you know, they're, they're celebrating after this, um, you know, 
postal vote, they're celebrating that they've brought in major quality, you know, and they're, they're going to march at the Mardi Gras and be like, yeah, we've done it, don't love us, love us. And, you know, like, like what you're saying, Gemma, too, for us, we're, we're proud to be queers and we organise about our queerness, but not only our, our queerness, or, or our queerness is more than just our own identities, you know? And so, um, yeah, in, in 2018, you know, with this Department of Home Affairs existing, we're like, okay, got it. We're Department of Home Affairs, and we've got our own jurisdiction. It's the Mardi Gras, and um, we're going to turn back the flow. We're going to turn back the little party flow, and we're going to call out in the Mardi Gras space, that there needs to be justice for refugees. You know, we, we, we want, while all the eyes is on Oxford Street, we want, we, we want the, the conversation to broaden out beyond gay marriage, because for us too, that's, that's not right. So, yeah, and so that, that was kind of how we began. That was our first action. And then this year, we, we've been thinking a lot about, um, Wiggle digital resistance. Well, they call out for a big camp to happen in April this year in recognition of 250 years of resistance to colonisation. Because um, it's 250 years since Captain Cook, basically, um, since Captain Cook first invaded Khmer and shot at the Wiggle people on his arrival. So that's that's been what we've been thinking about and we're like, okay, well, Mardi Gras coming up again, Department of Home Affairs, let's go. Yeah. Can I just say maybe in case um, some of the Outwest people are leaving, that it's a real pleasure to share the space with you. When you talk about this thing, you maybe speak to sort of the role now of Mardi Gras? Yeah, well, I, I think... Um, it's a real privilege to be in this room and to get a picture of something that begins without an audience. It's, a, it's an active protest that demises into a um, corporate spectacle. You know, but, but still, um, but I think that we, we participate we, we, we still acknowledge the radical potential for Mardi Gras by engaging in it. And we, we don't organise within Mardi Gras, um, but we see that there's really valuable organising happening from radical groups within Mardi Gras. But that's not the way that we want to, want to shift the conversation. So, so we, we're still <coughs> putting our belief in Mardi Gras by interrupting it, you know? That's, that's our way of saying we see the spirit in which this thing has begun and we want to honour that. So I might rewind a little bit. This is um, the parade this year as the Liberal Party's float were making their way through. Here we have the Liberal Party following very closely behind what I think is a protest 
to the 250-year anniversary of the, right, the arrival of Captain Cook, uh, turn back the quote, read the mirror, it never exists 250 years. Right. Uh, and they are sending a clear message to Scono. So, like, yeah, the, the way that we organised ourselves um, this year was thinking about, um, okay, like, how do we... While all the eyes are on Oxford Street, how do we draw the attention to this boat that's, you know, two kilometres down the road, you know? Because that is the most significant story that we can help amplify. The way that we thought to do it was to, um, you know, talk about a replica boat, this replica endeavour, by making a replica float. So we made a replica Liberal Party show. We actually dressed up as the Liberal Party and we, luckily enough, we had a banner that they kindly donated to us. <laughs> that, that we could jam their messaging. Um, so we thought that that was good because, you know, if in case we couldn't manage to get into the parade right in front of the Liberal Party, at least we'd have our replica float and we could take the point that that's who we're turning back. But luckily enough, the Liberal Party invited us to walk in front of them. Um, so they, they didn't invite us, they didn't invite us, I'm sorry. We, we managed to get in front of them, but the replica Liberal Party float was able to provide the correct messaging for the, for the real Liberal Party float. So was able to say, do you know what? Get this right, it's very, very complex. <laughs> yeah, they were able to say, you know, we stand for violence and organisation, you know, rather than what the actual Liberal Party float was saying was, hi, we're, we're queers too. No, and, no, no, and we are, we're friends with queers. So, yeah, we're friends with queers. <laughs> yeah, so that truck is the actual Liberal Party float, but we were just able to have a, a banner and a few people in front, Captain Cook, and ScoMo out in front, just making it clear what the values of that float was. And then the Department of Home Affairs were there um, declaring that we should have a picture to use it. Um, 
you know, and weird life is art, right? Like, what the fuck? It's, it's life. It's life. It's essential. Yeah, art's essential to activism. Um, so I know that you were also involved, um, you were also involved in a, um, an activation in 2018 that was maybe a little bit more focused on the stroke campaign and things like that. Do you want to chat a bit about that? Yeah, oh, just like it, it definitely yeah. tied into the conversation of, of what happened this year as well. So yeah. we're into it as well. But that was was that the first the first time a dirty intercepted the parade? Is yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that was that was the first action, and that was kind of like the joke of this action too was like, oh my god, we're doing a replica action. It's so good. Replica, replica, replica. You are really replicating. Yeah. You sent through some images that I can, I can flick through to chat about a couple I more things. I just want to say about this image here being able to jam the actual liberal banner and then having pretty much the exact same banner two years later because they're so creative <laughs> um, and fun. Uh, except they changed their name from Liberal Team to Friend Liberal Friends. <laughs> and we're like, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, such a good, strong feeling when um, centres read our banner and thought we were going to Even though we look very creepy and totally absurd. Like, as we were coming down, they're like, the Liberal team celebrating invasion. <laughs> and then they're like, oh. And then they saw the Department of Home Affairs uniforms and they're like, all right then, give it up for the boys in blue. <laughs> and then they're like, oh. Okay, here comes the real Liberal Party. Oops, we just said that out loud. And yeah, just felt like the... the mixing art and activism and jamming their banner like yeah i guess it's very powerful because all you're doing is reflecting a mirror on them and telling the truth and also the um, mardi gras is imitating itself because it's like let's all be joyous and happy and about invasion and celebrating it oh uh, we can't talk about politics oh no, let's just talk about corporate stuff, though. You know, um, so it got very awkward on live TV at the actual time. Well, first time that it was broadcast live, too. The very first time it was broadcast live. Oh, really? So I was at home on the phone watching the parade with my friend in Kari, who is a 78 yeah. And we're like, oh, look at that. Oh, hang on a minute. What's going on now? And we thought you guys were afloat. We didn't realise you actually, you know, because back in the day you used to be able to walk in. Yeah. There was no more. Yeah. So it took us ages. I'm like, wow, this is like the old days, Iggy. So um, you made us really happy because we were actually sitting at home like this. And then when that happened, it was like, oh my God, is this afloat? What's going on? So, thank you very much. <laughs> it was really, it was really um, do we have any, does anyone want to ask any questions? Is, is there anything that we've, we've not touched on that you might want to unpack? Um, I'm going to flick through some photos while we have a thing. Um, there, for the moment. Um, oh, 
You were so close to little buddy Freya. Just help him. Well, we tried to go back and join the society. I was on the little fake little team, and I was just going on. I tried to go back to my little party, friends of years, and I just get. I just kept getting told um, if I don't move on, I'm going to get arrested. Um, so my natural instinct was like, arrested? I don't want to get arrested. But in hindsight, I'm like, I'm snowman. I need to get arrested. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to jam my team, my friends. <laughs> you know? and, and that was a lady, maybe, 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 Finally. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Didn't two people get arrested? Yeah. Two, and, they, and then they dropped the charge? Or? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a move on. Right. Yeah. So who was the red block? Was the cops? Did the cops come up and say you're all, we're going to arrest you? Because that kind of. It was like, um, so at this point, this is kind of in that intersection in Taylor Square. Yeah. And, um, um, yeah, that intersection in Taylor Square. We're trying to hold that space for as long as possible because that's you know where the cameras are and everything all the press and yeah the cops were you know like they're at Mardi Gras now like all all the way along like pretty much like marshals right yeah they definitely they were telling us to keep on moving but I think yeah we we, we did not intend to get arrested but it seems that we felt quite confident on the night to hold the space, which is cool. Yeah. I mean, this is the fun thing about like creative activism too, right? It's like you can make things that aren't, you know, if you're writing an article or something, you've got to be very clear and precise. But like, what the fuck is a pony with the picture of Captain Cook on its face? Like it's scary, it's weird, it doesn't really make sense, but it kind of makes really dark sense. Like, who knows what's going on? Those class narratives, they like, but um, anyway, the cops really wanted that pony, but they didn't get it. How long were you on the street? Like, were you afraid before they kind of... Probably, probably, I don't know, like five, ten, ten minutes? Ten minutes. Maybe five minutes of walking up, and then five minutes of holding this space, something like that. Yeah, that's the other thing is like, you know, you make some cheeky calls as well, right? Like that. And along with the Liberal Party banner, we actually had some core fruits of, you know, that awful campaign that's okay to say no, um, you know, in the transgender colours and stuff. And we were like, oh, you know, can we jam this or not? And, you know, a lot of us had a really strong gut reaction, definitely not. But we did decide to use that tagline to remind people of the violence of the Liberal Party and, and well, not not um, not only the Liberal Party, right? But the set of values that they um, stand for and allowed to extend. Yeah, um, and so it's, it's okay to say no to better political life. 
Mm. And it's okay to say, no, you're not allowed in Mardi Gras after discriminating against kids. Like, what are you doing here? <laughs> doing now is that we're just... So bringing in an and then parading in Mardi Gras. Yes. Like, no. they don't go together. No, no. They don't get to do that. No. Same no. with cops. Yeah. Okay, whether they're gay or lesbian yeah. or cops. No, no. Yeah. yeah. Could you talk about the morning after? success who were with us and who were on top of media and who remained on top of media afterwards and I think um, without that it wouldn't have had as much reach. Definitely without a doubt, you know. So like, yeah, and that's that's a tricky role in the arts, right? Like that administration where you don't get to be the performer or... With the media, one of the advice of getting arrested, which we really didn't want to happen and felt shitty at the time, was that it made big headlines. Like, the media love an arrest, and we just said that before about, is that you saying about arrests? Like, you, you went out, you got arrested. But no, it was oh. like, oh, yeah. you went out and get arrested, that's how you get in the newspaper. Um, so that was a flip side of getting arrested, and the stress of that was good media. But also something that's been great that's come out of it is that we're contributing um, conversation about whether the police should be in Mardi Gras. New South Wales Police made a Twitter post um, saying that they were disappointed in the department's actions and that it was against the spirit of Mardi Gras. This huge backlash of people off. being like, what are you, like, who the fuck are you to dictate what the spirit is? Like, oh, like you dictated the spirit in 1978. You don't get to decide what the spirit is, but hey, cheers for arresting Hook. It had to happen. Ah, that's good. There's an amazing, like, another like replica thing is, you know, in, in our flyers or whatever, where like the Liberal Party is an unauthorised entry. But here, the cops is like, where's that unauthorised entry? It's so good. They like, use the same language we use. So good. <laughs> 40 years later, we're still struggling to pay the rent as well. I just want to say that nothing's really changed there. No? Yeah. yeah. I want to say that um, we don't, I appreciate my school with Sasha, we don't get taught any of this sort of stuff in school. And I had, and I knew, I knew that it was bad, but I had no idea just how awful 
powers those times. Now, I want to say that although things are still tough for us, we are so lucky to have people and communities like this where we can all talk about um, being queer or being people of colour or anything, and we can just be ourselves. I think that's really awesome. Maybe see you all at this. Oh, yeah. Um, so, um, in April, um, there's a call for solidarity with Queer Political Resistance. Um, yeah, the um, Queer Political Sovereign Elders Tribal Council is called for this camp, um, and they're calling for as much support as possible. If you think back to 88 and the amazing protests that happened at Black Rose there, like that's that's the that's the dream, you know, that's going to take a lot of energy from a lot of people now. So, like, you know, there's letters that you can send. There's a place that you can be, the museum. Um, there's a Redfern Endeavour crew connected to Redfern's embassy that is strongly trying to stop that boat from leaving way. So, so this Saturday there's going to be a soft picket at the Maritime Museum, organised by this group. Now on the 4th of April there's going to be a, a big rally there and an action. So we're going to get at the Maritime Museum. Thank you, Thank you very much for coming. Thank you for speaking.